You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. First time I smoked pot, I was in eighth grade, and I went to a small private school, and my boyfriend at the time wanted me to hold his pot in my purse, and after a couple of days passed, I still had it, and I didn't want to get caught with it, so I decided to smoke it with some friends. It became a habit because um, I was I struggled with my identity a lot in high school. My freshman year, I was a, a freshman cheerleader and kind of hung around the popular crowd. And by the end of my freshman year, I just felt like I didn't fit in with that crowd too much. So I broke away from them. And my sophomore year, I started making new friends, a complete different crowd. And that's all what they were all doing that. And um, so then, you know, I joined in with them. And it, I mean, we'd smoke before school, after school, weekends. Um, it was just our thing. And for me, I liked it because, you know, I had tried drinking a couple of times and with drinking, I felt like I lost control. And with pot, I felt like it just opened my mind more and I was just more relaxed. So I didn't see it as a bad thing. I saw it as, you know, the intellectual people, you know, smoked pot as opposed to, you know, getting slammed and drinking on the weekends. How I stopped smoking was when I found out I was pregnant with my daughter when I was 16. I remember taking a pregnancy test in the gym's restaurant with my friends, and when I got that positive result, I, I came out of the restroom, sat down with my friends, and, and I told them, I'm not gonna be able to smoke with you for another eight to nine months, because you know, I thought, well, once I have this kid, I'll go right back to it. You know, I'm, I'm grateful that I at least had enough sense to, to stop while I was pregnant with my daughter. Fast forward 10 years, I had already gone through a divorce. I had another baby, stopped going to church, and I found myself in a relationship that was very toxic, and I ended up going back to pot because I felt like it was, it was an escape. It was a way to, to tolerate my existence at that time in my life because I, I wasn't happy at all. Well, good afternoon, 12 o'clock. How are we doing this afternoon? Yeah. <laughs> You're kind of chill. You didn't get those brownies next door this morning before you came in, did you? No? Okay. Uh, I, I know you have high hopes for this uh, service, so let's pray together before we get into the Bible study today. Lord, thank you for our time together. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to uh, illuminate our minds. Our hearts are open as are our minds, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Well, as you know, our culture has a lot of fun with marijuana. Of course, that's reflected in our music, magazines, and films. So perhaps some of you are old enough like me to remember the Cheech and Chong movies and uh, High Times Magazine, and you love the genius of Bob Marley, or maybe a few years ago you watched the Pineapple Express. But let me ask this question in a very diplomatic way. Uh, how many of you know someone who smokes marijuana regularly? Anybody? Okay, yeah, there are those of you that raise your hand, those of you that lied, okay, because uh, we know uh, that's a pretty common thing in our city. But over the years, uh, if you've been around here for a while, no doubt you've heard me tell the story of, you know, smoking, uh, smoking pot as a teenager. Uh, when I was a kid, I had this foosball table in my house, and um, 
my uncle owned these bars and he gave me like a legit foosball table. Okay, younger people foosball. It's this game where you play, it's like table soccer is kind of what it's like. And uh, I had this legit foosball table. My friends would come over, we'd play. Um, the end of it had this door on it and it had a key to open it. And I was the only one with the key and that worked well for me because I wanted to hide some of my stuff from my parents. And so I would hide my weed and pipes and paraphernalia inside and I would lock it up and I was the only one with the key so my parents couldn't uh, get in there and mess with my stuff. Well, I was a kind of a delinquent kid and so my parents were sending me to this church camp to try and straighten me out, right? And I really didn't want to go to the camp, but I knew my parents were going to make me go to the camp. So uh, I was just going to make the best of it while I was there. So I had these other friends that were going to go to the camp with me and we had a plan for the camp that we would go out into the woods and we would smoke out, out in the woods, which would help us to tolerate the church people. And then we would try and meet girls, and then we would play pranks on like the middle school students, right? I mean, we would give them wedgies, we would put their head in the toilet and flush it, all kinds of stuff like that. That was our plan for this camp. And so I, uh, my job was to bring a pipe and my friend Johnny's job was to bring the weed. And so we get on the bus, and I show him this lump in my sock where I'd stuff the pipe down in my sock, right? Uh, we're on the church bus. We're about to leave the church parking lot. And I go, dude, I, I did my part. Did you do your part? And he's like, dude, I didn't score. I didn't make And I'm, I'm just like dumbfounded. I'm like, I'm going to be a week straight. And I'm kind of freaking out. And then um, these kids, as we're leaving in the bus, these kids, you know, younger kids are like waving at their parents, crying, you know, they're going to miss mommy and daddy. And I'm like looking down about to cry because I'm going to be around church people for a week straight. And I don't know how I'm going to handle this or deal with it. So we're on our way to the church camp. And this other friend of mine, he says, Doug, when we get to this camp, you got to understand what's going to happen. They're going to try and turn you into a goody goody. They're going to try and make you straighten out and all this, but you got to be strong, man. You can't give in. you got to be strong and, uh, you know, buck up to this. So I get there to the camp, and I'm sitting there, and when I'm listening to these talks, it's like the Spirit of God is moving on me, and I couldn't, I tried to be strong, right? But I could not resist the good work of God that He was doing in my life. See, I was one of those guys that had believed in Jesus as a little kid, but I didn't want to do what Jesus wanted me to do, right? I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I'm like, Jesus, you're cool. As long as you give me a ticket into heaven, as long as I got my fire insurance, I'm good. But I don't really want to submit my life to the stuff that you want me to do. I want to have fun and do the things that I want to do. But God, by His Spirit, was drawing me in such a way that I could not resist Him. And at that camp, I said yes to the Holy Spirit and whatever changes He would want to make in my life. And I was a little bit afraid as I was about to go home from that church camp. And I want to tell you why. Because I'd seen these people before that got religion in an emotional environment of a camp, but then they just went on with their lives and lived like they'd always lived before. You know, they made these big grand commitments in front of other people, but they never really went through any significant changes in their lives. And so I didn't want to be that guy. And I was afraid, and I'm saying, God, please help me do this. I really want to do this, but man, I just don't think I have the strength to do it. When I got home, I walked into my room and my foosball table was gone. I'm like, what? What has just happened here? And my parents walk into my room and I said, where's my foosball table? And they're like, oh, we donated your foosball table to the Calvary Baptist Church. I'm like, what? Like you do? And that foosball table represented my old lifestyle. And I always wondered what happened if those Baptists ever got into that foosball table, you know? I know lots of Baptists. They could use a little chill in their lives, some of them. So I, I hope they got it open someday. 
But you know what happened after that is that I would go every day to the arcade. Okay, now I'm, that's a strange word for some of you younger people. Arcade. That is a place that people used to go, teenagers even, and would play video games at these places. You know, we didn't have Pokemon Go on our phones, right? We didn't have like game consoles like Xbox in our homes. Like we had, went and played these big games together all in one room at a business. And they were like these big things, right? And this is not the lame games that are going on today. This is like the golden age of video games, okay? Let me name a few of them, right? Talk about Pac-Man. Can I get an amen for Pac-Man? So yeah. And then there was Defender. And there was Asteroids. Do, 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 do. Okay, this is Asteroids, man. That was the golden age of gaming. And so I went every day. There was my favorite game, Dig Dug. Okay, perfect game. And we played this game. I played with my friends. And every day after I'd gotten back from that camp and this movement of the Spirit of God came on my life, I couldn't help but talk to my gaming friends about Jesus. And we would have these conversations. We'd play the game. We'd sit out in the parking lot. We'd have these conversations about Jesus. And for the first 30 days that I got home from that camp, at least one of my friends prayed to begin a relationship with Christ from that time. What has happened to the old Doug? I'll show you. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible says, but you will receive power when the, what's that next word? Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And you know, today I am going to talk to you a bit about marijuana, but the bigger picture of the conversation today is not the marijuana side of the equation, but it's the, the Holy Spirit side of the equation. And I want to encourage you today with this one simple big idea is that we want to say yes. Holy Spirit. Today is about being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And here's what you've got to understand, is that some of you, Christ followers and not, some of you are new to church. You've never been to church in your life. Some of you have been to church many years in your life, but the Spirit of God is pursuing you, drawing you, moving in you. When He speaks to you, it's so much more creative and broad than just hearing some audible voice from God, but He knows these unique and creative ways with which to draw you to Himself. Some of you, He's drawing you to a love relationship with God that you've never had. Others, He is drawing you to a filling of the Spirit of God to experience Him in a new way. And there are three jobs of the Holy Spirit or roles of the Holy Spirit that you'll see in the Bible. One of them is salvation, then there's sanctification, and then there's serving. Now, salvation, for the purposes of our conversation today, it's a very broad term, but I'm going to be using salvation in the sense of beginning a new relationship with God that you've never had, beginning the journey. And then sanctification is just kind of a theology word that simply means growing in new dimensions of spiritual experience. Experiencing the Holy Spirit of God, uh, you're sanctified 
uh, to new levels of freedom in Christ. And then there's serving where you're empowered by the Spirit of God to restore the creation, to restore people into love relationship with God, to help people restore the relationship with God that's been severed because of uh, the presence of sin in our lives and the fact that we live in a fallen world. And as I reflect back on why I used uh, marijuana, why why I smoked out all the time, and uh, over the past 30 years, I've been in spiritual conversations with people, many of you, about this particular issue and the why people smoke out. Now, certainly we know that some people just smoke out because it's fun, right? I mean, that's all there is to it. There's no deeper meaning to it. But for many people that I've talked to over the years, we can see the why we go to numbing types of behaviors on what we call the emotional chart or uh, um, we call it the toxic emotions chart. And at the center of the core of a human being is a theological position, that is, a belief about God. And a lot of people continue to numb themselves with weed because they don't believe that God can literally heal them of their inner wounds of pain. And in the next uh, layer of your soul, out from the, the center core, are unmet needs, unhealed wounds, pride, or fear. And what happens is, is that someone has a fear of failure or a fear of being rejected or a wound from where your parents or uh, some significant person in your life in your formative years hurt you or made you feel less than or made you feel like a failure, that you're stupid or worthless or no good. And those wounds cause us to want to numb the pain. And that's why many people choose marijuana. Now, People on both sides of the issue sometimes fall for oversimplifications because this issue is not just as simple as weed is wrong and uh, you should not smoke it ever, okay? Um, So I want to show you uh, some of the things that people, or some of the ways rather that people oversimplify this issue. Some would say, well, it's illegal, so you shouldn't do it. And certainly you shouldn't break the law, right? But what about people who have a medical marijuana card? Okay. Also, if you live in Colorado or Washington State. And according to the Gallup poll, a clear majority of Americans, 58%, believe that marijuana should be legalized for recreational use. Thus, it's going to be legal in more and more states in the coming days. Now, others would say pot's legal now in my state. Let's say you're in California or Washington. They say it's legal here. Therefore, Um, it's okay for Christians to smoke out. Well, just because something's okay with the state and everybody in the culture buys into it, does that mean that it's a wise behavior for us? I mean, good grief. I could be an alcoholic, adulterous, deceitful, prescription-abusing, manipulative, hate-filled connoisseur of grotesque pornography and still be within the law and within what the culture considers acceptable. But is it wise? And that's why we have to go to the wisdom of St. Paul, who said in 1 Corinthians 10, 23, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. And just because something's legal doesn't make it right for us to do or helpful for us. Now, some people would say, well, you know, they make a blanket statement, the anti-marijuana people would say, well, pot's bad for you, right? But the very same people would consume other things that can be bad for us, right? I mean, caffeine's not so good for us, is it? But we have a church coffee shop right next door. And we know that bus fumes can cause cancer. 
Um, and we have a bus stop right in, out in front of uh, our theater over here. And according to the state of California, basically everything causes cancer. So what can you do uh, that's not going to kill you? And so sometimes uh, just being bad for you, um, we have to think about that one. Um, others say pot has medicinal qualities. It should be seen as something helpful, not something destructive. And I have a friend who she has seizures all the time and she smokes marijuana and it alleviates her seizures and suffering. So shouldn't she be able to alleviate that suffering? Yet we all know that even with over-the-counter or prescription drugs that are legal and that we have a prescription for, sometimes we can go overboard with those, right? And we can abuse them. So if you take too much Tylenol, the acetaminophen is going to eat away at your liver, right? So we can abuse anything that is given to us as a prescription. Now, over the years, we, a lot of us have heard these reasons why we should just say no to drugs, right? And so maybe you've seen some of the research that's conducted by the National Institute on Drug Abuse, and they say four things, uh, by and large, uh, research on marijuana. Number one, that it can be addictive. I think it's somewhere around 30% of our population um, are susceptible to being addictive if they start smoking. Number two, marijuana is unsafe if you're behind the wheel. It's the most common illegal drug on drivers, um, in drivers who die in an accident in those states where it's not legal yet. Number three, marijuana is linked to failure in school and career. Students who smoke weed um, tend to get lower grades and are more likely to drop out of school and longtime marijuana users themselves report being less satisfied with their lives, experiencing memory and relationship problems, poor mental and physical health, lower salaries, and less career success. So I was talking to a friend um, from a very large company that located a, a large operation here in San Antonio, and they regretted coming to San Antonio because they would do the hair follicle test, drug test, on their employees and they couldn't get enough people to test clean from marijuana to be able to fill their workforce. They've had to go recruit employees from Houston and Dallas just to be able to fill their operation with employees. And I would also agree with uh, Kings of Leon Basis, who said, marijuana is a gateway drug. It leads to sweatpants and Cheetos, okay? <laughs> so certainly that is true. But a fourth <laughs> research on uh, a point on marijuana is that it can cause panic attacks, paranoia, depression, anxiety, and what's called a motivational syndrome. And what that means is it sucks your energy or it sucks away your drive or ambition to do activities that you used to consider to be fun and fulfilling. In fact, we see this in the great Afro man. Remember Afro man? He says, I was going to pay child support but I got high. I messed up my entire life because I got high. I lost my kids and wife because I got high. Now I'm sleeping on the sidewalk, what? Because I got high, right? We just got finished watching the Olympics. Perhaps you saw the story of Michael Phelps and a few years ago, his life was literally, and his swimming career was literally going to pot. Um, you see the photo there on the left-hand side of the screen that shows him, uh, you know, taking a hit off a bong, and his life was spiraling out of control. And a friend came to Michael Phelps and handed him a Christian book called The Purpose-Driven Life by Pastor Rick Warren. And Phelps read that book 
And by his own account, every day he cried when he read through that because it showed him that there is at least a higher being that can help us out of our problems. I'm not saying Michael Phelps is like a full-blown Christian. I don't know that for a fact, but I do know at least he believes that there's a creator now and that a creator was able to help him focus on what's most important. And this is a guy that's got more gold medals than anyone else, and now he's come to a place in his life where he can truly value the real treasures in this life. And that's what you see in the picture on the right-hand side. He sees the treasure of his lady and his child and he's experiencing a whole new kind of life now that he let go of the weed and the alcohol addiction. Now, there are some people in this room, you got to understand, if you're new here, you got to understand, there are people in this room right now who regularly smoke marijuana. And I want to say something to you, if that's you. I love you. This is your church. I don't care if you smoke a kilo a day. Look, we love you here. But I got to say to you, and I hope you'll know, this is from love in my heart for you. I'm not trying to throw down on you. We don't throw stones here because we've all struggled with different things. But if you regularly smoke weed, I want you to know as your pastor who loves you, I do not believe that the majority of us can regularly smoke weed and experience God's best for our lives. I believe that to experience your best life possible, you'd be wiser to avoid the marijuana lifestyle. It will rob you of treasures that God wants to show you. It will rob you of the motivation that comes from a filling of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now look, that's my opinion after dealing with people reading the scriptures for myself and dealing with people for many, many years. I can't even tell you how many people I've talked with, been in conversation with, ministered to on this particular issue. But the Bible is silent on marijuana. It doesn't say anything about, the, uh, about marijuana in the Bible unless you twist it, right? I mean, I had a dealer when I was a kid, and his favorite verse was Genesis 9-3. I've given you all things, even as the green herbs, right? Right? Uh, and isn't it interesting how we can proof text to make the Bible say what we want it to say? You know proof texting, right? It's where you, you go to the Word of God, and you're not reading it to have an honest understanding of it. You're just looking for the stuff to prove what you already want to do. And I've done that, right? And a lot of times we like to go to the Bible and just prove that our behaviors are right so we can continue to numb our pain. And look, let, look, let's not just pick on marijuana smokers today because I think a lot of us have numbing behaviors in our lives that we need to deal with. So what is your numbing behavior? I mean, you, you want to keep listening to that song by Pink Floyd, you know, um, comfortably numb, and you comfortably numb yourself by consulting. Um, compulsive shopping or porn or alcohol abuse or cocaine or ecstasy or a number of other things that we could name off today. But look, when you're in Christ, it's not just about saying no to stuff, but it's more about having an alternative yes. And that yes would be yes, Holy Spirit. Look, 
I used to think that God was boring, and if I followed the ways of God, that I would never have any adventures in my life. And when I started saying, yes, Holy Spirit, I got to tell you, sometimes it's more adventure than what I can handle. In fact, God is a scary God sometimes. He's like a lion that cannot be tamed. So if you want a real adventure in this life, he's the one to follow. Now, let me show you more about the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 5, 17. Paul says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants for you. Don't be drunk with wine. Okay, we could uh, translate that word drunk as controlled by wine. And I think we could put a lot of different things in there for wine, right? Any of our numbing behaviors. We could say, don't be controlled with weed or don't be controlled with beer or whatever it may be because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the what? Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so when I'm asking you to be filled with the Spirit of God, I wanna make sure you understand what I'm not saying and what I am saying. Okay, I'm not saying that to be filled with the Spirit means that every single body is going to start speaking in tongues or something like that, even though that's in the Bible and that's legit, right? I'm also not saying that uh, being filled with the Spirit means you're going to walk up to the front of the church somewhere and a dude's going to smack you on the forehead and you're going to fall backwards, you know, uh, fall into a trance. Maybe that's legit. I don't know. But I'm just asking you to say, as the Spirit of God moves in you, just say, yes, Holy Spirit. I want to show you um, a couple of more things about the Holy Spirit. One is that the Holy Spirit is sensitive, sensitive. The metaphor for the Holy Spirit in the Bible is a dove. And so it's not like some impersonal force like on Star Wars, but it is a person who has feelings. So if you look at uh, Ephesians 4.30, it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And so sometimes our behaviors can grieve the Holy Spirit and hurt the Holy Spirit's feelings. And the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He doesn't force himself on anyone. And so if uh, the part of the Holy Spirit's work that's happening in you today is the work of salvation, if the Holy Spirit draws you to a relationship with God and you put up the hand, the Holy Spirit doesn't force his way into your life. If you are dealing with some type of an addiction or something that you're hanging on to and you're saying, God, I want my fire insurance, but I'm not giving that over to you. The Holy Spirit moves in you. The Bible calls it conviction. And if the Holy Spirit is convicting you and you put up the hand and say, I'm not doing that, I'm sorry, he'll move on and he won't force his ways upon you. It's completely voluntary based in love. But let me show you what our lives can look like when we continually say no to the Holy Spirit in our lives. In fact, I'm going to read this passage from the message paraphrase of the Bible. This is Galatians 5, 19 through 21. And it says, it's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, 
and impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. This isn't the first time I've warned you. You know, if you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so what Paul is writing here, this content he's writing to believers, people who already have a relationship with God. So it's not that they're not going to get to heaven. That's not what he means by not inheriting the kingdom of God. He means those of you who are children of God, if you cling to the numbing behaviors of this world and get into the afterlife, you will miss out on an inheritance, a great reward that is far greater than any thrill that we could experience in this life. You lose your inheritance when you uh, give in to the ways of sin. But Paul also shows us what it looks like when we say yes to the Holy Spirit in the next verses. Let me show you uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. So we'll never have to fight for the legalization of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be legal in every place because doesn't everyone want true peace, what the Bible calls shalom, comprehensive peace and joy and love in our lives. And look, God is pursuing some of you now. And I need to warn you, if he's pursuing you to join with God in love relationship and be a child of God through the cross, if he's pursuing you and nudging you to release control of some numbing behavior in your life, or if he's seeking to fill you and overflow out of you to empower you to serve, don't stiff arm the Holy Spirit. Don't say no to the Holy Spirit. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Say yes to him. Do not harden your hearts. Look at the warning of Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. That is why the Holy Spirit says today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. Look, if I would have bucked up and said no to the Holy Spirit when I was a kid at camp, I would have missed out on all kinds of amazing adventures with God in my life. And so I'm going to invite you in a couple of different ways to say yes, Holy Spirit, today. Some of you know that you're not the church type and you should have never ended up in a church today. Some of you know that it could only be God in his creative ways by a sovereign um, hand that he led you here to hear the good news of Jesus Christ on the cross. And he's drawing you to salvation, to know him. And I want to invite you to pray with me right now to begin a relationship with God. So as we bow our heads and close our eyes, perhaps you would want to begin a relationship with God today. I want you to just pray just between you and him. This is just between you and God, no one else. Just say in your heart, God, look, I know I've sinned. And the best I know how I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin and I welcome you into my life. Father, I want to thank you for those who just prayed that. Wow. 
It's like new children of God all over the room. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for drawing people to Christ today. And as we continue in prayer, I want you to think about your numbing agent, whether it be weed or anything else. And maybe God wants you to let go of that because he wants to fill you with something better. That is the Holy Spirit to overflowing. Or if he's calling you to be filled to serve in a new level, I'm going to invite you to do something a little bit bold. I'm going to invite you to come to the front, down here in front of the stage, and just kneel and pray. And if you're okay with it, I'll walk around. I might just put my hand on your shoulder and pray for you and ask God by his spirit to fill you to overflowing. Because what we know is that any pleasures we can experience in this life are like molehill pleasures compared to the Mount Everest pleasure of being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And so with that in mind, let's say amen and let's stand up together now and you come and kneel and pray. And as you kneel and pray, I want you to just put up, put out your hands like this and say, Holy Spirit, yes, Holy Spirit, fill me. Father, we thank you that by your Holy Spirit, you're healing people in each one of the services today of inner wounds that have stuck with us for many years. Thank you that many are coming to love relationship with Jesus because of the good, gentle, kind, and loving work of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would be overflowing with the fruit of this Spirit, with the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and faithfulness and self-control. Thank you for the good work you're doing in us and throughout our church that's going to spread out to our city with the many that need to experience you in your presence. So Holy Spirit, feel at home. Feel welcome. May we be a people with soft hearts, not hardening our hearts or bucking up to you. May we be a people who never grieve you, but make you feel at home and welcomed and loved and appreciated for the good work of God that you're doing in our hearts and in our church. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen, amen. Well, you guys can go ahead and take a seat just for a minute. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.